Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the From the Finney podcast with me, Jake, and a few special guests. This week I'm joined by Ollie from Deep Dell Digest, uh, John from Peony Online, Bob, uh, the guy behind Preston Updates, Dave Seddon, who I think needs no introduction, and a familiar voice who's been on the pod quite a bit in the past, uh, Jimmy. Yeah, so in this episode we're going to look back at the first part of the season and we're going to discuss an array of different things, transfers, tactics, player game time and a lot more. So yeah, thank you for listening and hopefully you enjoy it. Yeah, hello chaps, are we? Are we good? Okay. Hello. Yeah, hello. Hello. Good. Hello. Um, just, do you all want to introduce yourselves just so people kind of have an idea of what you sound like and, and who's who? Yeah, sure. So I'm Jimmy. I've been on quite a few times now. Uh, run Preston Sports Team, and yeah, you can follow me at Bayside PNE. I think this is the first one that you've come on. Oh no, that's on the back of. No, me. it's not. No, we're, we're, <laughs> it's the third, third appearance. Third appearance on back of defeats, mate. So I'm here to try and rally the troops and uh, put a bit of positivity back in to hopefully get a win on Saturday. Fingers crossed. Uh, Ollie. Uh, yeah, uh, I run Deep Dale Digest. Um, being a Northern fan since I was like six, I think this is the second time I've been on. Yeah, came on in the summer, I think, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, maybe back in August or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, John? Yeah, I'm a podcast virgin. Um, first time I've been on. Um, I run, well, been involved in Peony Online since the year dot. Um, I currently run it. Are you um, the guy that started it then, or...? No, well, not this form. There was originally with P&E fans, and this one was won by a chap called Watty, p Online, originally. Right. Um, and then I was a moderator for umpteen years as a couple, somebody else on this chat as well. Um, and then I've ended up taking it over um, because nobody else would. So it's basically Fair still... So I'm, in, I'm running it at the moment, obviously with a team of moderators still. Um, prior to that and as well as that I've been involved in supporters groups for too long um, and people are probably sick of hearing and seeing my face so thought I'd give the podcast a go as well now Good to have you on, Dave Cheers. Yeah um, P&E reporter for the Lancashire Post used to be the Lancashire Evening Post but we dropped that uh, the middle bit of it a few years ago um, Still the LEP to me Yeah exactly exactly. Uh, Watched North End now since 1976 Um, As a journalist Done a bit of coverage of him since 1990 um, Outright covering for the Evening Post As a main writer since 2009 So done a decade Doing it, very enjoyable Long suffering at times Um, But no, I couldn't think of a better club To write for to be fair And my first time on uh, on this podcast Good to have you on. Bob? Yep. Um, hello, I'm Bob. Preston Updates, um, main guy. Another podcast virgin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically, 
just run the press and updates website posting different pieces i have a couple of people who write with me um just something i've been doing just to, out of the love of, of football for a few years now and yeah that's it really fair enough sounds good um yeah cheers for joining me guys with this being the first one um after our little break i figured that i'd try and make it a bit of a something a bit different hence you all being here um all part and parcel of the the online north end fan space if you will um in in some way or another so yeah i figured i'd try and get all your 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 opinions and your thoughts in one place for people to listen to um i just hope you all don't get absolutely hounded on twitter when it goes out <laughs> um yeah so I'll, I'll go back to august obviously the summer transfer window there was it was four in, four out, really. Um, three out on loan in Maxwell, Earl and Burke. Two of them probably never going to see in a North End shirt again in Burke and Maxwell. And then obviously Robinson went to Sheffield United for around six to £8 million. Pound. I'm not sure of the exact figure. And then obviously Nugent, Bauer, uh, both came in on free transfers and Green came in on loan. And then... Tom Bayliss, um, some people think it was a uh, record, some people think it wasn't, or say it was or wasn't, I'm none the wiser. Um, I think, with hindsight, looking at the four that we brought in, considering we lost Robinson, um, I'm going to go as far as saying that the four that we brought in didn't really improve the current squad, apart from Bauer. I think for me, though, Jake, we, we knew this in the summer. We, we knew we were short as soon as the, the window slammed shut, you know, the end of August, uh, we yeah. were short. We hadn't replaced Robinson properly. Obviously, Green came in as that potential replacement for Robinson, but he obviously never lived up to the expectation. And we, we always felt we were short. We were short of a left back, probably short of goalkeeper cover because, I mean, we, we all know that he made no secret of it in the summer that he wanted another keeper in. Tried to get Muric, tried to get um, Walton that went to Rovers. Um, yeah. And we we were sure. I mean, it was a great start to the season. Let's not let's not take anything away from that because it was fantastic. You know, in terms of being top of the league, you know, in November. Yeah. Um, but I think it's come to fruition the last six to eight games, especially the fact that we are a little bit short in numbers and quality. Um, especially yeah, yeah. losing DJ. Um, losing DJ was a massive blow, and I think for those guys that wanted to walk him to Wigan or whatever you wanted to do in the summer, then you probably need to have a bit of a hard look at yourself, to be honest, because he's been outstanding in the sort of 15 games or so that he played. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, I think the uh, the game against Luton, for me, was, was the one that, started to become quite evident that we were missing DJ, especially at home. Um, so obviously they just, as soon as they got the goal, they just sat back and we really struggled to break them down. I think... I think short... sort of... Go on. Oh, well, I think sort of following on from that point as well, a loss of Robinson. I mean, he contributed 12 goals last season and we just haven't really replaced that sort of the, the contribution out wide. And this season, in terms of big chances created, so far we, we rank 23rd in the league. So the creativity just hasn't really been there um, mm. since losing Robinson. And um, it's so, I mean, it's just, 
it's, it's, it is just a lack of quality, I think, in that final third and that player who can, um, you know, we had DJ who was doing it, but since his injury, we have really lacked, um, you know, a potent force in the final third who can consistently score goals. I think something to add to that is that there's we, 50% of our goals have been from open play. Well, you could look at it 50-50 in terms of when a lot of our goals are coming from set pieces. We're not scoring from open play as much as we have done in previous seasons. I think it was something start I sent you before, Jake. Was something yeah. like, I think it was like 17 out of 36 or something, yeah, something like, like that. that. And that's a concern for me because if you look at the amount of goals in previous seasons that were scored from set pieces and penalties, for example, they've been nowhere near you know 50%. It's usually been probably 20 30%. And yeah, we've obviously got a great set-piece taker in Galley when he is playing. Uh, I mean, yeah. don't know, set-pieces against Middlesbrough left a lot to be desired, but um, it's probably the poorest game I've seen him having a North End short shape, potentially, against Middlesbrough. He just nothing came off him that day, but we are missing that creative flair without DJ in the team. Yeah, we I are. And I, th- I think a lot of people it. thought Bayliss would be that, um, and for whatever reason, he's not gotten his chance, but then Bayless is an odd one for me because I get where we're coming from with signing potential because we can't afford to sign the finished article. But if we're spending up to £2 million on a player, it's got to be someone that comes in and plays, really, for me. Our budget is so limited. Yeah. It's like... Is he well? Is is he Gallagher's long-term replacement? I, I, I don't know. I think anyone does really. Do I think I think he's been signed for a Gallagher type player to play further back in that too. I think they struck lucky with DJ um, this season. That rarely had they played him in that number ten role, and then suddenly, you know, when they moved him there with the Wigan game, second game of the yeah, season, yeah, Wigan game, yeah. So. In, in effect, sort of almost by accident, a little bit like Rafferty playing at left back, um, which sort of filled the gap, if you know what I mean. Um, but you know, and and they've gone on and really, you know, really done well there. Um, with Bayless, I just think he's only had two seasons in senior football, really. One season in League One, one season in League Two. I think to ask to come in and play the Championship week in week out, um, he's probably asking a lot. Um, having seen him in the cup games, I have. I don't think he's done a great deal yet. I think he's got potential. And I think the fact that he's one of the few players to get a four-year deal, it, it, they've certainly brought potential there rather than one straight away. I would have expected him to see a bit more often than what I've done so far. Yeah. Um, but but you know to but to expect him to be a regular after that little time, I don't know. Look back at Jordan's story last year. Yeah, I was just going to say that. He, he got, he did play sometimes in the first half of the season, but only if players were injured. But it was sort of January, mid-January onwards when he got that run and played until the end of the season with uh, Ben Davis, who struck up that really Doncaster good partnership. Game, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really. Yeah, I think, I think they came back at QPR, didn't they? Because Ben had been injured over Christmas. Story had come and played with Hunts, and then they sort of they dropped Hunts after the Swansea game about yeah. this time last year. And then brought those two together at QPR, I think it was, and won 4 1, and, you know, the 12 unbeaten, wasn't it, from there? So, mm-hmm. um, so maybe you can draw a few similarities there, although I would have expected Bayless to have more than three games in the Carabao Cup and one in the FA Cup under his belt by now. I'd expect him to have been thrown on as a sub, perhaps, in some games, or but he's not even been on the bench a lot. But I think sometimes 
they have spent a lot of money, but sometimes you can buy potential, and sometimes you do have to let that potential develop, even if it's you know it's a bit more slowly than what we'd like. If we only if we'd only bought him for three or four hundred thousand, I'm sure there wouldn't be this big hoo-ha about him. But yeah. he's got this he's got this big big price tag at the moment. Whether he's a record or not, he's not going. If he's not, he's not very far away. Let's put it that way. I think um, if he was, I think the club would have made a point of of saying mm, so. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But no, no. I think they might want to take the pressure off him. I don't know. So uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. Yeah, but I think I think the problem now with Bayless is that you know everyone was expecting to see uh, Lionel Messi or something on Saturday, weren't they? And uh, yeah. it didn't didn't quite work out that way. I thought he got better, like a lot of them, as the game went on. Wasn't spectacular, but you know he, he looked a little bit nervous to start with, but. Um, but you know, I thought he did okay, and um, and the thing is, the form of you know Gallagher obviously dipped a little bit these last couple of games, but you, you still don't want Paul Gallagher out of that side. You know, you still want him in there. I think he's our driving force at the moment. Yeah, no, I I, I would agree with that, and I think yeah, his form has dipped a little bit recently, but the pro that he is, you would expect mm-hmm. him to obviously be well aware of that and bounce back, or try his best to bounce back. Um, obviously, Andre Green's gone back to Villa. Um, for whatever reason, he's just not not worked out here. Um, again, I think I only really saw him in the cup, and I think was it once at Deepdale against Leeds. We had one minute, wasn't Six it? <laughs> not a lot. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a funny one with Green because I watched him a few times with Villa last season. And he actually played a fair. He played a fair, a fair few minutes in their sort of promotion push. He scored that like late goal against Sheffield United to make it three all. And he, you know, he, he he looked okay, but he just. I always thought before we signed him, he he was a player who lacked end product, and he could be a bit one footed. He, he he had the potential, but obviously Alex Neil has tried to coach him to fit into our system, but it just hasn't quite worked out. I mean, he is a decent player, but. Um, and I'm sure he'll go on to he might yeah you know, he could go on to do well with Charlton but I just don't think he quite he could quite fit into the system we play. Yeah, well, Alex Neil from obviously. Neil's comments. Go on. Yeah, from me. Neil's comments, it sounds like he didn't want to fit in with our system. So, yeah. so at the end of the day, if someone doesn't want to fit in with the system, then I'm, I think we've made the right decision in terms of letting him go and get football elsewhere. Obviously, as well as having this problem with his foot or toe or whatever it is that's meant to be fairly uh, long-term in terms of an injury, potentially. I know nothing about that. Or something about... Um, is it arthritic um, toe? Yeah. Ah, right. So um, mentioned, I think Alex Neil mentioned it in the fans' forum the other month. That was the first time we'd heard anything about it. A uh, bit of arthritis, a bit... I think a problem which had only just sort of come to mind, you know, come, come to light. I don't think it's something he signed with or anything. But uh, whether arthritis was the right phrase to use, I don't know. But there's a bit of an issue. I don't think it's massively major, but, um, you know, it's not helped him, I don't think. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's gone back. And the other two, you got Nugent came in. I mean, he's he's, he's not done awful, but I think at the same time, he's... He's certainly not an upgrade um, on what we had. And I think from a nostalgia point of view for a lot of fans, it, it was <clears> nice <throat> to see. Um, 
But I think we said earlier on in the summer, if, if he was the only attacking signing we made, then it, for us, um, wasn't enough. Obviously, with Robinson out, going out as well. I think I think we knew. I think it's always pretty clear that he was the owner's signing um, at the timing to try and appease the fans slightly. I think he's been a bit. I think he's done all right when he's come in. I think he's tried. He's he's still that little run he's got. He still works his backside off. You know he's only going to last 60, 70 minutes. But I think like the first half at Leeds, I thought it really suited Nuge, and he looked proper up for it, and he was enjoying it and. He's not going to score a lot of goals, but you can see his hold-up play in the way he's linking players. He still knows the runs to make. He's he, the same with any of them. Stockley again. Stockley works his backside off. He was I thought he worked really, really hard on Saturday, but he's not going to score a lot of goals. And the issue is, is that they're winning balls and they're getting, they're knocking them down, and there's nobody there because we just haven't got that next. Harrop mm. weren't in the space or whichever. So I think we all know if we signed a Mitrovic, we'd be flying. And it's not going to happen, isn't it? Because we can't afford it. And it comes back to the point we were making earlier about finishing and, and taking our chances out. Uh, Jimmy was mentioning about we're not creating enough in open play and things like that and not scoring enough. It's just we're just missing that quality that we just know we're never going to be able to afford. And Nugent, two-year contract seems a bit... But I, I think a bit harsh criticising. I think he's, he's done all right and when, when he has come in, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, my, my intention wasn't to come across as though I was criticising him. Um, I just didn't think he was an upgrade on what we already had, which, considering the majority of our squad, Davis, um, Pearson, Brown, Fisher, um, Hughes, Maguire, Barkey, you've got you've got the core group of a, of a decent enough championship squad there. And what I think the the point that I was trying to make was in the summer we were saying that we needed, as we still do, um, some some quality in the final third. And if Nuge, again, the point that I was trying to make was that if Nuge was to be the only attacking signing that we made in the summer, then it wasn't in in our opinion, as in mine, Ollie and Dan's from from the Finney, enough. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think he has done well. I think the Barnsley game, he played really well. Um, I mean, you could maybe question the level of off, of opposition at the time. I think Barnes were shipping an absurd amount of goals, but he came in, he started, he did well. Um, like you said, John, you could see his quality in terms of the runs that he was making, the way that he was holding the ball up, bringing other people into play. Um, but in terms of a, a promotion push this season, it just—I I think that signing just wasn't enough. Um, I think clearly. Sorry, Dev. <clears throat> uh, well, all I was going to say was on Nugent. I think he's done a lot. Well, he's done a lot better than I expected, and he's played quite a bit more than I than I expected. But I think over summer, when Nugent came in, as well as that, I was all, I was hoping that we'd get someone who fit the profile of Hugh Gill and like who was a big target man, but also had the mobility. And I thought that would have given us a range of options going forward. Because obviously we've got Stockley, who's the target man, but the mobility isn't there. Whereas when we had Hugh Gill, he had that mobility to run the channels. And he also had the physicality to bully the defenders, get in the box and, you know, score headers, score, you know, from in the 60-yard box. And I just think with Nugent, if we'd have brought Nugent in and a, a big sort of mobile target man, then, 
um, it would have been all right. But just Nugent, he's done better than expected, but really just it wasn't enough uh, just to sign Nugent. I think on that we're forgetting about Louis Malt because obviously mm-hmm. th- third game in the season we lose Louis Malt who started two of the, the first three games scoring obviously against Wigan was it I think it was um, yeah and I think we'd pinned our hopes on you know having a strike force of you know Malt Stockley Nugent Nugent probably as a backup Barquez and Maguire who can play up there as well um, and we we probably. I think they just probably thought that that was okay when I think from our point of view it wasn't because as soon as Malt got injured that should have been the catalyst then for us to actually go out there and try and get you know <clears throat> a replacement whether that be um, is it Clark Harris that's at Bristol Rovers that we were linked with or somebody that was similar sort of mould um, yeah. but Trouble we was. still we still needed Trouble. one, didn't we? Window had closed though when he got Trouble there. was, Jimmy. Yeah, that, that was the thing. The window oh, shut. Course, yeah. It, it, it had yeah, shut a week or so earlier. So if you think about it, even from the close of the last window, we were a striker down. Now, you know, we're yeah. talking about we're talking about bringing another striker in January. We were already. You could argue they need two. So, Forgive yeah. me. I'm, um, I'm yeah. still in last season mode where we could buy people up to the end of <laughs> August. It's still getting used to this um, closing so early. It's changing again, is it? isn't it? This year. Oh, it's going back. It's going back to what it was, I think. Oh, so we get we get a full month, full month uh, to not sign someone as well. Then, so. <laughs> so there we are. Yeah. So I think we'll it's we'll finish on. So with the malt piece, I mean, it, you know, even if you're just going in with malt, Stockley, Nugent, and them three, it's still like, you know, I think it was just it was just sod's law that we we needed one, and then obviously that happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of a shame for Louis Malt as well because. That Wigan game, he played really well. Um, yeah. And obviously, he got his goal. His link-up play all through that game was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I was really impressed with him. <clears throat> the problem they've got is that everyone wants this quality striker, but even when we sold Hugel, not everybody rated him. And he went for 8 million quid or so. Yeah. It's hard to please everybody. You never knew, I Hugel back. <clears throat> I'd have I'd have you go back in a shot now. Oh yeah, he's, he's yeah. developed as a player even since he's gone. I know like West Ham didn't work out from apart from his bank balance, but um, you know I think you know Middlesbrough, hometown club, he went back there, scored a few goals, but I think it's this season he's really started to kick on at QPR. Yeah. It's a good yeah. good move from that. I know if, you know he, he's had a little dry spell, but strikers do, but. Um, he's already he's, figures, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's not just a target man, though. He's, he's not a target man to me. He, he's a striker who can play in the air, but I think he's got a lot more about him than the sort of, um, you know, the lump. I think as Alex Neil used to call him, you know. So, um, yeah. Dave, Dave yeah. do you reckon that obviously we're we're always linked with ex players too often? Neil, yeah. Do you reckon? <laughs> do you reckon Neil is the kind of manager who would bring back? Say at Moisey had suddenly decided to be nice again and we called him. You mm. think Neil's the kind of person who'd bring in someone that he's had before? It, I think so, yeah. But, you know, he, he might have thought, well, let's move on, let's look at someone else. But um, I don't think, you know, if it, if it was offered at the right price and the right, <laughs> right deal, I think they'd certainly do it. You know, as, as, as we know as well at the club, the, the deals are club deals, aren't they? They're not just yeah. the money. You know, we're not, we're, yeah, not, not... We're, not, we're not back in the 80s with Alex Ferguson going out signing players. We want <coughs> him and they come in, here's what you're on. You know, it's very much got to fit into a pattern. But, you know, say they were offered a good deal to bring a striker back, um, you know, to bring Hugo back, for example. 
yeah, I'm sure they would, but one is on a he's on a season long loan, isn't he? Now I can't yeah. see you know I can't see me that being broken, and uh, I do think as a club we need to get over this obsessiveness of bringing back former strikers. <laughs> there are there are plenty of others out there. We see I don't know. Uh, I'd bring back Mike Elvis and Alex Bruce in the seventies if I could, you know. But uh, you know, but, uh, so, you know, so, someone mentioned Callum Robinson already. The guy's only been gone six months. He's been yeah. in every he's been in every Sheffield United match day squad. I know he's not always got on. But you know he's playing. He's obviously well thought of there. Yeah. He, he's gone. He, he got. He's got a good move for himself. Gone to a club which has established itself nicely in the Premier League this season. Why would you want to move away at the moment? Just it's almost it's almost admitting failure, isn't it? If you were to do that. So uh, I think I as well. Just on Robinson, it's almost like people have expected him to go in and adjust to the Premier League immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a special player that that, that does that. So yeah. yeah. In a completely different shape as well, you know. Chef, Chef United play a completely different style of football to what we play. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's not going to just slot straight in. And I mean, they're playing him quite often up front, aren't they? As a, within a two, and yeah. I mean, I can count on one hand probably the amount of time Robinson did that for us. You know, mm-hmm. especially in the Championship, he did it maybe more in League One, but not, especially not under Alex Neil. No. no. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sheffield United, they. It's that system, isn't it, of the wing backs, the the sort of and the centre halves that come forward, but they don't play with like that. They don't really use the position that Robinson played for us last season. Yeah. It's, so it is a completely different system he's got to get used to, and a, and completely another level of football. He's done he's done well considering, but obviously I think um, he's he's got a lot of potentials even now. Um, he'll still he'll start young, getting, isn't he? He is, yeah. Mm. Yeah, uh, so I think we'll 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 finish this bit on a bit of a positive. Um, obviously, Patrick Bauer came in. Um, if what I read at the time is right, we beat Rovers to him, um, which is always nice, especially considering how how well he's done since he's been here. But just in terms of the defence, he's exactly what we missed from last season. Um, someone calm on the ball, dominant in the air just a dominant presence really um he never really looks he looks unflappable to be quite honest um maybe apart from the game was it Borough when he came off at half time but he's missed two previous to that with illness so perhaps he was rushed back other than that I don't really remember a bad game that he's had in half a season I think maybe Hull but I think everybody well, yeah. <laughs> I've tried to forget about that. <laughs> I think I think Hull, was having to come out and cover Ledson at right back off yeah. as well, wasn't he? Covering yeah. behind. But yeah, it was about night all around that one. So uh, yeah, we'll forget on. that one. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I can still vision Ledson now. Virtues, no. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta feel sorry for Ledson. Like, why on earth did he move him to left back? Yeah, he just had to put someone in, didn't he? And he just. I don't know. Very bizarre. He must have thought he had the character to, to yeah. get it, I suppose. Well, I think, yeah, overall, <clears throat> um, for me, the, the summer transfer window, we, I think, Jimmy, you mentioned it before we came into the season and we were we were still a bit short in important areas. Um, so, obviously, going into the season, we, we, we lost on the opening day away at Millwall. I think if we score in that first half, that Alan Brown shot that was kind of cleared off the line, but wasn't really cleared off the line, 
I think if we score in that, it's a completely different game. They wouldn't have been able to just sit back and protect a lead um, and make things difficult for us. But I think, again, you could maybe point to that and say perhaps the signs were there early on that we were we were still lacking that creativity uh, to be able to unlock a defence. And, and I think, was it two games and then we lost at Swansea or was it one game and then we lost at Swansea? Um, uh, we, we lost one game well, then beat Wigan. beat Wigan, yeah, then lost at Swansea, yeah. But then, I mean, aside <laughs> from those two games, the Millwall game, the Swansea game, again, I think the Swansea game on another day could have been completely different as well. Maybe up until recently, that was the in fact, maybe that still was the, the only game this season that we'd gone ahead in and then ended up losing. That was when um, Green came on, didn't he? And went up front because yeah. when Malt got injured, weren't it? Um, but then we went, obviously, from the Swansea game on the 17th of August until Reading on the 19th of October. We went unbeaten, um, which two months unbeaten in the Championship. To me, it's not it's not a fluke. You know, shows that we are good enough to challenge when we've got players on song that are performing. Um, but, yeah, I think, obviously, it's, it is obvious that we still need that little bit extra um but i think the, the core group of, of the squad that we've got is good enough to to challenge at the top end mm-hmm. i think yeah, we, we shouldn't oh go on no i think what what we shouldn't yeah what, what we shouldn't forget sometimes i think um y- your squad one to 22 isn't going to be perfect all the way through not at this level we're not a premier league club um and i think the problem is when if you shot, if you're throwing one or two lads, make changes into the team. You know, like, you know, you put Rafferty in early, uh, early in the season. You know, one or two others like that. It's not a problem. It's more problems are highlighted when you're having to make five or six changes a game or change voluntarily as many nine against Norwich, for example. Um, put put a lot of cover players in at once. You're not going to get that sort of that end product really um, but I, I, I don't think it is, it's not the worst one in the world I really don't but I think it, it's always going to be better if you dip in one or two in rather than like three or four as I say so um, you know a, a run like that to go two months in the championship um, we were what 10 minutes away from beating Nottingham Forest yeah. um, beat Birmingham away which is not, not the easy place to go character to come back from 2-0 down against Bristol City and beat, you know to draw against them um, took took Barnsley apart. Um, yeah, Barnsley were bottom of the table at the time. They have picked up since, but um, you still got to beat what's in front of you. Rovers. So, yeah, Rovers as well. You know the, the comeback there against Leeds were three three minutes away from beating them at Deepdale. That was a really good performance. So mm. you know it, it's just this last sort of you know six seven weeks where uh, slightly you know gone off the boil for whatever reason for injuries or whatever so yeah we'll, we'll come um, on to that in a yeah. bit but, mm. um, yeah. international breaks mm-hmm. yeah I think obviously moving on from the the two months bit it came to a halt at the international break um well the game after the international break which was reading um now reading away in particular, after an international break, is a, seems to be a bad fixture for us. Um, I think is safe to say. Uh, any of you got any thoughts on why we seem to struggle so badly after international breaks, or do you think it's just one of them things? I yeah, think I, I have. It's momentum. It's 
momentum. And I mean, you know, we were on a massive run, weren't we, going into that Reading game. And to be fair, we're 30 seconds off getting a point at Reading. Yeah. It's the 97th minute that we've conceded, literally the last kick of the game. Yeah, we probably didn't deserve three points out of the game, but we probably did deserve a point because it was two very average sides. And and I I think for me, you know, it's that stopping momentum. You know, we're on a run, we're winning. It's that mentality that we've got as a club that's, you know, you're probably buzzing for the next game as a player, and then it yeah. stopped. Got ten days off. You have got players that, you know, your Browns and Maguire's etc. Going away on international duty and then coming back into the fold. You know, we're probably only forty-eight hours to prepare for a fixture. It's quite a big game. You know, Redden, as we're all aware, especially playing them at home now. I've been a bogey side for a couple of years, so it's it's that mentality piece and momentum that I think's our biggest issue when we've gone into an international break and we lost the first game back. I, I can't put my finger on why we keep losing games after an international break. But, you know, the, Ollie playing has got the stat better than I have in terms of is it two wins out of the last 10 or something like that in terms of um, first game back after an international. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great record. Yeah, it's, it's something like that. Isn't it? It's 2 in 10 or 2 in 11 or something. Yeah. Is it interesting that Jimmy were mentioned then about say Brown and Maguire? Because at Derby, Brown and Maguire are absolutely knackered for him from what I thought. And again, it's momentum again. Like I said, we took pretty much filled the away end. The fans were a bit of a buzz going. And it comes by obviously Davis getting injured didn't help. Darnell had one of his nightmare games uh, that he does um, from time to time. And then I don't know if it's the whole it's no saying about international break. It's a quint that they were both away games. And the difference between the early form at home to the away form, as soon as we concede away from home, I know we obviously, it, it, it's like, it's confidence has gone. And it's, mm. it's gone, how it's flipped from last season to this season. And I don't know whether that means going into home games as well now. And that's It's almost a confidence thing. We have to score first in these games now. And as soon as we don't, I don't know why so there's something dropping and particularly the international breaks if we concede a goal away in an international game after an international break whether it's psychological going on in the red or no, not again sort of thing I don't know because we, we all think that now don't we all know but yeah, we've got Reading after an international break so whether that's going through the players' minds and the coaches' minds as well I don't know Well I think just on just on the home games um, I know Jimmy you mentioned something to me before um, I think it's Becoming quite toxic, to be to be quite honest. Um, the there's don't get me wrong. There's players that have had bang average performances or arguably poor performances. That's going to happen. That's football. Life's a bitch. Get over it. Do you know what I mean? Like, but to start jeering players off the pitch, players that you've paid to go and support, I think that may be getting into some of the players' heads. Um, you know, there's been, I think, is it Barky, DJ, Maguire, have all done the cup tears <laughs> celebration. They're obviously aware of what, what is said about them on social media. Um, so I think, you know, the, the, I think the home form dipping recently, I don't think it's a coincidence that it has become a bit toxic, in my opinion. Last three games have been embarrassing, being honest with you. It's <clears throat> like... Subbed. Yeah. That, that's just it's, you know the the reaction to Ripley on on Saturday, not you know and the, the biggest thing for me is this 
it's it's the negativity and the oh come on you know you know that the sighing and the the jeering when we're when we're keeping all the ball if there's no option yeah. going forward i'd mm. rather us keeping all of the ball than trying to lose it by forcing possession i'm, I'm not proud I'm not, of this but I, I had an argument with someone on the finney on the reading game i think some uh, I, I sit right at the top of the tom finney and it's never busy but for whatever reason it was packed and there was there's this old bloke, and every time we passed it back, don't get me, we did pass it back a lot, but like you said, Jimmy, if there's nothing on, rather than lump it forward and lose the ball, I'd rather us keep the ball. I mean, what do what they meant forward, to do? Forward, forward. Well, you don't need to go forward to win a game of football. So, you know, you, you, you're <clears> going to create, you, especially in a game like Redding, where they wanted to just drop the ball. You know, they, they weren't mm. interested. They, they wanted to try and attack us on the counter or when we lost possession, and their two goals that Redding scored were from us losing the ball by us being careless in possession. You know, nothing yeah. to do. They, you know, there wasn't. You know, they've not put thirty passes together and put around us. You know, they they broke on a counter from us losing possession. Yeah. And it's for me, it's frustrating. You know, when I watch football, when people, not every pass has to be forward. You know, I'd rather just keep the ball for ten minutes and try and break down an opposition rather than us. Having to try and score six, seven, eight, nine times a game—that's that's a I reality. Think, it's not. It's FIFA. That's FIFA. That's not. That's not the championship. That, the sa- yeah, at, at the same time, Jimmy, you know, I think part of the things where is what we've been doing, and we're doing it on Saturday. Is this? I'm all for that. Ben Davies keeping it, Bauer keeping it, and passing it out. That, but the amount of times we pass it back and it ends up back at the goalkeeper, who then lumps it forward for it to come straight back at us again. I'm not saying get on the players' backs. Obviously, not. That's not going to help anyone. But I think it's that's the frustration because Rudd, Rudd and well Ripley had a disaster, didn't he? But Rudd, Rudd's not the best kicker of the ball, in my opinion. And the amount of times it comes back straight away. So I'm all for keeping possession, keep all the ball, build momentum. But when it gets to that point where they're looking back to the goalkeeper every time, I think that's where where it's just a bit. Oh, we're doing it a bit a bit too much the other day. Yeah, if we're under pressure and it's gone back to Rudd then, uh, and it's having to go long, then, yeah, I mean, if you've got Jaden on the pitch, you, you, you probably want to go a little bit longer towards him. And if you have to build up play that way, then so be it. But it's this, you know, I, I, and I get, you know, sometimes I think we need to look at options in midfield and it's probably comes back down to this creativity piece as well in terms of why we're having to go back because at the end of the day, you, you, we don't want to go backwards all the time. We actually, you know... If you look at the football we've played, a lot of it has been going forward because it's been quite creative, but we are probably missing that creative presence as well. It's probably it swings and roundabouts, isn't it, really? But it's it's just frustrating for me, what you know, as a fan, that we've got, you know, certain elements of our support that are getting on people's backs when we're trying to just they're trying to keep the ball. You know, it's uh, it's just frustrating. And I think, you know, if you're one of these fans that are Jeering or having a pop at Ripley on Saturday, then you probably need to have a bit of a look at yourself and think, you know, are you actually doing what you can to support this team because that's not open. I think going back to the point you made on creativity, it is true because if you look at the game against Middlesbrough, with once they'd taken the lead away from home, they're putting so many players behind the ball and in sort of this low block, and it's just so hard to break down. And it is in those situations where you need that player who has that quality to just, um, you know, break the defence down and uh, just a moment of, of real quality. But we just seem to lack 
we just seem to like that player and especially against like against the team like Middlesbrough against you know Reading when they've got the lead away from you know at Deepdale I don't know we're just struggling to to find a way through and we're just losing possession I, I, it's, it's a difficult one it's, it is the creativity really the frustrating thing with two home games is that we all saw how brilliant we were at Leeds in that first half. I know we played well for the whole game, and that goal that we was pass, 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 bang, and really, really forward thinking. And it was just it, like the next game that you just seemed to forget how to pass. Thing yeah, is, you've got to look at the opposition yeah. there, John. You've got to look you at think, the opposition. Yeah. They've they've committed massively. The the wing backs have pushed on. Mm. And we we've got we've caught them three v two. You know teams aren't going to come to deep though and do that. You know, no team's going to come to Deepdale and try to attack us from the fullbacks. The, the, the pace that Leeds did, Leeds pushed players and players forward, and that's why we could counteract, you know, and, and do them on the counter attack. You know, Middlesbrough, a great example, because as soon as they won, won the love, they were 3 5 2 for the first, God knows how long until they scored, and then went 4 5 1. As soon as the goal went in, Woodgate called over, was it Fletcher? Um, one of the lads who was playing up front immediately playing wide right shift you know change the pattern of, of, of how they played because they, they could sit in at that point because you know you want to look away from home you know and we've done it countless times you've seen came out how many times we've gone away from home gone one up and then go four five one or you know really sit in deep waste time Darnell up to his old tricks you know why wouldn't you you know I, I think it's you know it's only what you do to get points away from home because that's the division we're in you know, Leeds was a complete. Leeds had to attack at a Boxing Day, full house at, at Ellen Road. They needed to attack because otherwise, you know, if you think it's can be a bit toxic on North End, Christ, when you've got another thirty thousand <laughs> yeah. Leeds fans, yeah, it might well, be yeah. a completely different Absolutely. story. I sometimes think it might be. We don't shoot a lot from outside the box, do we? If you think no. about it, no. You know, if a team's <laughs> going to sit in, um, you know, middles with the example, you know, they sat so deep. I think. I think. A couple of times early on, we got in quite, we got in low, you know, low balls in behind them. I think Gallagher put a pass in, released Barky down the right hand side, put a low cross, and the keeper had to sort of push it around the near post. And there was another one he put a cross over, and both Eugens and Maguire just sort of stood and watched it. They were probably the two best crosses in the, the game, but later on it was all sort of side to side and then crossing into the box and their centre halves and just having a field day. Sometimes, you know, I'm not saying it every time, but maybe someone just you know, picks up the ball 25 yards out of a pot, you know, just, just see if they can find the top corner. Probably nine times out of ten, it's not going to go in, but one, you know, it might, might just be a way that, you know, I have a bit of long-range shooting just for, you know, chance your arm that way, you know, might get a deflection, uh, keeper might make a save, you know, you know, you're going to get a corner out of it at least, so uh, that, that might be a way to go. I just, just noticed, apart from free kicks, we, we rarely shoot from distance. Mm. I think that... I think it was that Borough game that was one of the first in a while that I noticed. I think Gallagher had three or four attempts from outside the box, but they were all, it was like he was playing mm-hmm. playing a game of rugby. Yeah, all, yeah, all in, but, in around I, the edge get, of the box, but maybe a sort of five yards further back, you know, chance your arm, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, get, I get what you're saying, though. Um, you know, I think that was one game for me that it was the first time in a while I'd actually noticed that we were maybe having some pop shots. Yeah, I think I think back as well. We'll go back to DJ here. Missing him was it a couple of years ago against Birmingham when we, we turned around and one nil deficit to win three one. It's a great. He just glided through midfield and sort of bent a low shot into the bottom corner from like yeah, twenty yards or something. Yeah, at St Andrews. It's, yeah. it's that sort. You know, just. 
just having that little bit of confidence, you know, like, well, go on, we're going to have a dig here, you know. And uh, as I say, you don't need to fly to the top corner, but, you know, just just, just test it out, just, you know, um, see if that, you know, if, it's, if, if if a team's going to sit in so much against you, just add that to your armoury, just give, you know, chance your arm there. I uh, I just had a look at the stats and we're sixth lowest in the league for shots from outside the box. Says it all then, doesn't it, really? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Says it all. Um, but I think move, moving on to the next point, um, obviously we mentioned about the home games maybe feeling like they're becoming a bit, um, uh, what's the word, a bit toxic. Um Obviously, that is down to the performance of certain players, fans not liking it. At times this season, it has felt as though Alex Neal has maybe persisted with certain players more than perhaps he should have done, um, Sean Maguire being one. Do you think that's because of the way that he sets his sides up? Maybe he feels like he can't trust other other players in his squad to come in and do what the likes of maybe Maguire or Barkey or Alan Brown, whether he's playing in the 10 or if he's playing at centre-mid. Um, do you think Do you think that's because he can't trust other players outside of his starting eleven that he does that? Or, I mean, it's been mooted on social media that he has his favourites. Perhaps it's that. Any, yeah, any so it's a tough one, this, isn't it? Because, I mean, Maguire's <clears throat> outfield likes. He's played the second highest minutes behind Pearson. I mean, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have thought that at the start of the season. You'd have thought Pearson would have had at least two suspensions by now. Um, but you know he's had 23 starts out of 26. Maguire, he's only been a sub once. I mean, you know, you know, Barkey's only played nine. He's only had 19 starts, but he's still a good 10 hours behind him, near enough in terms of game time this season. Um, I, I don't think it's any surprise really that Maguire's form has dipped a little bit, given the amount of time he's played, especially you know he's been away on international duty three times since the the season as well. And as you know, is still putting, you know, countless hours of of game time here as well. Um, I think, you know, Brown's now, he's, you know, I know last time I was on, I've talked about this, but Brown's now gone from, I think it was about 10th to fourth in terms of amount of minutes he's played. Yeah. You know, so easily coming to the, the, the fall. It's probably since DJ has been out of the team, to be honest with you, because, you know, he's had to go back into, you know, either midfield or into that number 10 role. I think you look at someone like a, a Brad Potts that probably has underperformed a little bit this season. You know, that's probably being kind. He's playing in a different position than what he was last season. You know, last yeah. season that he was played as, as a two sort of central attacking midfielders uh, with Brown. I think last season as well, he was given a lot more freedom. Um, whenever he's played this year, he seems to, because he's got the energy in the legs and he can run. He, he, yeah. He seems to, for me, it feels like he's been given more of a job to do when he's played this yeah. year. And I think he's done a job. You know, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. You know, he is using plenty of energy. He's, he's getting around the pitch, but he's not creating, uh, which I know is a bit of a frustration for, for fans. And I think away from home, Brad Potts is probably one of those players that probably does need to play because you do need someone that's going to work hard and actually, you know, drop in into it in terms of a shape. Um but he's nowhere near the form he was last season. It's no surprise that last season his best performances were away from home. You know, Stoke away, QPR away. Yeah. Um, you know, he had good games. You know, in play- games when you think, well, Manette, you know, we've spent a million and a half quid on this lad. You know, you can probably see the quality coming 
to fruition at that point. This season, we haven't seen that Brad Potts, and I know he was out injured for the start of the season, probably after quite a heavy um, summer by looking at his Instagram. <laughs> um, you know, and I think you want those type of players to be able to perform. You know, Bowden probably hasn't hit the, the heights yet. Obviously, another one that's had an injury this season. Um, and I think, you know, for me, Tom Barkazen's probably... I know he's got his critics, but I think they've sort of they've gone away this season because they're actually seeing performances out of him week in week out. He's the one yeah. player for me that, when he is playing, does look like he's going to create something. He he is attacking the you know he's getting at full backs, he's running at people, he's not cutting back as much as he was last season. And for me, you know, he's a start every week for for him to you know be on. He's only had nineteen out of twenty six starts. I'm like, well. You know, is does he deserve to be rested more than Maguire? Well, absolutely not, because Maguire's off doing other things during the international break while Tom's sat here, you know, mm. just going into training every day. So, yeah, I think it's we, we've got to be able to... It, it's positions that we need to invest in as well, let's be honest. You know, and for me, if we are to invest in players in the window, then we need to invest in players that are going to improve our first 11. You know, so... It's, it swings and roundabouts in terms of obviously, you know, what we actually need to get in because we know we need quality to help improve. But back to your original point, you know, in terms of form, we're, we're asking a lot on a small squad that's got outside of its best eleven. You, you know, you've probably got you've probably got twelve or thirteen that are great players at this level. Yeah. But after that, you know, as soon as you get a bit of a, an injury blip, then you're going to struggle. It's, yeah, it's like what Dave said before. Like, say you take four out, we struggle. Well, any team would struggle if you take four the better players out. But in terms of a lot of the other clubs in the division, they can bring in others where we can't. We've got, like you're saying, Jimmy, we've got a really strong 12, 13 who can really compete at this level. But the, the, the thing that kind of worries me a little bit is next summer, in terms of if we lose. Davis, Pearson, I think if we don't go up, which doesn't seem likely, but you never know. But if I think they took them to have gone, possibly Alan Brown. Clubs, if DJ can come back and st- carry on the way he was, clubs will start looking at it. It worries me next summer, particularly the type of player that we've been buying. We mentioned about Bayless before, I think he's a bit different. But the type of the other squad and the other players, we seem to have gone off the players that are going to come in and be long term replacements who are going to be the next players. And I'm half thinking ahead to next season already, whether I should or not. And we're still, say, a point off the playoffs. And, and we'd have took that, wouldn't we, at the start of the season. We'd have definitely took the position we're in now. Without yeah. that, especially at the end of the window. And Alex Neal mentioned it himself. It was all absolute panic. I went into that Wigan game thinking we were going to be in a relegation battle when we didn't sign a left-back and a striker. So it's hard trying. We saw everything we've talked about tonight seems a bit doom and gloom, but I think we're still in really good position. It, a lot depends on the next three or four weeks. Like Jimmy's I said that we've got to address. We've got to get attacking and a forward, maybe forward winger as well. Look at the fullback positions. I'm concerned big time at right back. I like Darnell. He's fully committed. We know what he does. Tom, but he's when he has an off day, he's off. He has a massive off day. Tom Clark, great club man again. He's not a right back. Um, it, it all comes down to this window, and we all know, we all get excited. We all see the names. It's just whether the owner will 
loosen the purse strings a little bit and see where we go from there. And we could just could still end up in the playoffs yet. And then these conversations about these players, it's a totally different ball game, isn't it? Yeah, well, I've, we'll come on to in part two. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll we'll come on to the fact that we are only four points off Brentford in third, um, and the window in a bit more detail. Um, but I, I just think, for me, I think there is an element that the manager does have his favourites in certain positions. Um, maybe not so much with Pearson, because I mean. Who would you, if he's fit, why would you not play him? Um, it's interesting with Maguire. If we, we all think we could do with another attacking creative player in Maguire's position. As Jimmy said, Maguire's played pretty much every minute. So does Alex Neal see that as a problem or not? I don't know. Whereas maybe he trusts him. Maybe he trusts yeah. him. Uh, he, he, he mentioned in the press conference, the, sort of the written element in the press conference after the uh, Saturday's game that the reason he left Maguire out on Saturday was he, he he put in the highest intensity of anyone in the squad. You know, that, that that might not necessarily be going forward; it might be tracking back. But he's he's obviously given him a job to do, and he's found he can't do it. Now, if you're going to do wide positions, you could put Barkayson out there. You could bring Billy Bowden in down the right hand side, cut you know two inverted wingers. And I think, as we said, we've not seen the best of Billy Bowden yet, have we? Really. Um, I'm not convinced, you know, how it's played out there and done okay. I don't know. I'm not convinced if that's his right position coming inside from the left wing. Um, So maybe for him, you know, we talk about managers, you know, you want an identity from them. And I I think Neil's got this way of playing. He likes his 4 2 3 1. He likes his, he was saying he likes his left wing. He likes one winger to go wide and he likes one winger, especially on the left, to sort of come inside and stay inside and let Hughes go down the outside. So he's got he's got his four wheel of playing and we'd probably start criticising him if he was changing every other game, different systems. And you are going to get players he's going to prefer to play more than others. Now, whether they're personal favourites or um, I, I don't know, but he, you know, he, he's looked at Maguire and thought, right, you can do a job out there. Maybe he's going to find it a little bit harder playing centrally um, against bigger centre-halves and Playing Maguire there, I think the idea is if the, the ball's coming down the other side, down the right, you can sort of join in as the extra striker with whoever's playing up front. So um, maybe not ideal. People are getting on Maguire's back at the moment, which I find I find harsh, to be fair. Yeah, um, but pe- people were saying this time last year, oh, his, his hamstrings are made of glass, made of salad tape or whatever. He's, he's near enough. I, I think he came back to QPR game, didn't he, a substitute in, uh, in January. So we're coming up near now to, to a year without hamstring injuries, which uh, yeah. was the issue, wasn't it? You know, so um, so touch wood, that continues. But I don't watch, know. To, watch, just watch now, Dave. Yeah, I put a bet on him to be the top scorer in the division and then the day after he tore his hamstring. So, that, yeah. A couple so of things on. Shows you how much faith we did have a lot of faith in him, didn't we, last season? Mm-hmm. Couple of things, Dave. Do, do you think that teams have sort of found us out a little bit now in terms of the way we do play? Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously Maguire, Maguire's work rate is fantastic. You know the amount of times that we we see him picking up the ball in his own half mm-hmm. and trying to get forward. But I suppose my my little bit of criticism with Maguire is at the minute when he does get the ball, everything does mm-hmm. slow down because it, it takes two or three extra touches that he probably doesn't need to take. Mm-hmm. But do you just feel like teams may have 
worked out how we play now, you know, maybe, especially Reading and Middlesbrough especially. Yeah, may, maybe a little bit at home. The first real bad patch of the season, though, came about when we've had these injuries. So I think that, that found us out ourselves, didn't it? Lack of numbers. Um, they've, re- they've recovered okay, you know, at times. They went for four defeats, didn't they? And then came back with the two wins, two home wins, two draws away. They could have taken four points out of those two, probably. It's just these last, it's these last two home games. Maybe at home, they've, you know, t- teams have worked out that if we don't score first, if they sit in, make it difficult. You know, they don't necessarily need to score early, but you know, if, if which Reading and, and Middles we both have done. So I, I don't know if the, you know. Is any side the hardest to, you know, I think we all know how, you know, the amount of scouting teams do these days. Everyone knows how each other plays now, don't they? Unless you throw a real curveball in. Um, I, I, I just think this division is just one where it, it's so equal. If you're not quite, if you're not quite there on the day, you know, you are, you are going to, you're going to get found out anyway. I don't think you need to get, get tactically, tactically found out even you know you can just be found wanting for other reasons so um i don't know i don't know i suppose every, every team knows about any other team now so whether we've been found out I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure i don't know if i'm making myself that clear there but um you know i, I don't think any team really is the hardest to work out you know every, everyone's got the idea of yeah he does that he does that they have that formation he likes coming off the wing. He likes to sit or whatever. The, the the magic is being able to actually identify it and then stop it, isn't it? And, and being effective against it. Yeah, yeah. I think the one thing I would say on on that is that you know you look at teams when they do come to the night, if they can beat the, what I say called beat the blitz, because you know the first fifteen minutes of games we we go after we go at teams, mm. and if they can get through that fifteen twenty minute spell of us attacking and getting at teams then they've got a chance and I think they've sort of realised that now themselves and I think it's probably part of their tactical makeup that if you can sit in and get through that 20 minutes then you've got a chance when obviously especially at the breakdown of possession because that's how we are conceding goals at the minute especially at home mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I'd agree with that well unless anyone else has got anything to add um, we'll have a brew break if you want and we'll call that part one Yep. Cool. Sound. Cheers, boys. Hello and welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed part one. And in this part, we're going to look at the recent chunk of the season, really. Um, we'll discuss our recent form being quite poor. Uh, we'll talk about transfers and a little bit about transfer policy, I think you can call it, maybe. I don't know. We'll come on to it anyway. Um, so, yeah, uh, recent form has been, obviously, as I mentioned, quite poor Christmas has been tough since DJ's injury at Charlton and then the one that he picked up I think was it against Leeds West Brom West Brom Um, we've only won uh, three games since the 1-0 win against Charlton which is 3-11 so nine points from a possible 33 which 
is more toward the relegation form than promotion form, I think it's safe to say. Um, I think, obviously, we could, we talked about it in part one, but I think with the window now open, it, it, it's time for the manager to be backed, and I think we need some fresh faces. I, th- I feel like the squad could just do with being freshened up a bit as well. There's a lot of players that have been here for a long time, um, and and I think some some fresh faces coming in, some quality coming in would give everyone a boost, not just the fans. I he think he did um, to this on Saturday, didn't he? Speaking to Football Focus before the Norwich game, he sort of said the whole place could just do with just a fresh face or two, just to pick everybody up and go again for the second half. Yeah, I mean. It, it, it's yeah that that's all it needs really because if you look at those last ten games in isolation, we'd be sitting twenty first in the league, and I think in those ten games nobody in the championship has scored fewer goals than us, and it really is just a culmination of injury suspensions, you know, pe- tired bodies, and it just really does need an injection of, you know, a, a couple of fresh faces just to pick yeah like you said pick the players up and uh, really get us going ready for that final push because we are still in a fantastic position. So many points still left to play for and one or two signings, they could make a massive difference to the squad. And if we can get players back fit, um, Darnell Fisher can avoid that yellow card. (laughs) We'll be all right. (laughs) I think think freshening it up is the right, the key thing, because I'm thinking back to previous seasons. And it's it's when we have done well and we've pushed on and got in the playoffs. Nugent, first time when we signed him, I know he was a young lad and he came in, he just brought injected something completely new, something completely different. Yeah. Other year when Beckford came in, he just offered a little I know we were a bit obviously he was a championship player, wasn't he, in our in League One, but he just offered a bit more experience, something different. It's just finding something a bit different, someone who can come in. I know we joke about Scott Sinclair is not going to happen, I don't think. There's no chance. But it's someone to come in, McGeady-esque. I don't know, they're not there, are they? But someone just to come in, freshen it up, a new face around the place, come off the bench, scoring you. You never know, do you? But it's interesting, Neil was saying about freshening it up. So I think everyone can see it. It's just whether... Obviously, I'm sure Peter Ridsdale's not daft, and I'm sure him and Alex are on the phone to Trevor every day. So it's just a case of getting the right player for the right money. Whether we're looking at loans, and all after Liverpool's performance yesterday, everyone's jumping on the Liverpool bandwagon, but they want penalisation fees in their contracts, and if they don't play, they charge they double the salaries and silly. Well, I say Nikita at Leeds, what well, three million a loan fee and he played two started two games that's the sort of ridiculous ballpark we're in but so I don't know who they're looking at they must be looking at strikers and if you can bring a striker in comes off the bench at Rovers for the 6,000 North End fans Darwin and and it just gives you that momentum gives everything a kick up the backside to get going again but whether we'll do something that quick or we're going to be waiting till the last day which we probably will so Dave can sit in his office till God knows when we'll it's a Friday as well Friday night, night. Be in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, I think it's not major surgery which is needed, is it? It's sort of no. it's a freshen up. That's all. It, that, that that's what it needs. Two or three at the most. I think we, we got five last January, didn't we? 
don't quite think it needs that this year. Um, if they can get DJ back, well, end of Neil used the phrase a few weeks last week. So what we're we looking at end of January, maybe you know. Yeah. So get him back together with like two sign two new signings, for example. Um, you know, hopefully that can kick him on again. Sometimes. You know, sometimes it's ridiculous to sound bringing in too many can can upset it. You know, but um, it is a strong dressing room at North End. You know, like you've got, you've got to be careful who you bring in as well. You know, the right type. So um, yeah, I think it was the fans <laughs> forum before the last one. Neil said something along the lines of, "I would rather bring in um, a nice person that's maybe not a ten out of ten player versus." Mm a 10 out of 10 player, but who's going to come in and be a knobhead. Yeah. You know, and and for for the sake of not wanting to upset the balance in the dressing room and obviously Mm -hmm. the, the, the bond that they've all got. Mm. I guess that's like McGeady because he was that special 10 out of 10 player, but I highly doubt he's the sort of person Alex Neal would like in the dressing room just because of his reputation. And, you know, he's, um, he's obviously not, not the most likable character off the football pitch. And all right, he's a class, he is a class player, but, you know, would it really be great for the balance in the dressing room? He was fairly well liked from what I gather, McGeady. He wasn't that much of a knob when he was here. He was just, no. obviously, things have got, obviously, things have gone sour since he's gone to Sunderland. And obviously, the, uh, the old McGeady's come back out. But when he was actually here, he loved playing for Grayson. He absolutely loved it. And, um, I mean, yeah, I think everyone knows the stories about him since and enjoying the Mackies and rubbing Sunderland's fans' face in it pretty much. But nothing wrong with enjoying the Mackies, Jimmy. <laughs> no, I've had plenty of. That's why I'm on hit night at the minute. You know what I mean? But I think you know, in terms of who we get in, there's it's not there's not a great deal of quality out there. I think I've put onto it over the past sort of 24 hours. You know, our reluctance to look abroad and the fact that we don't really have any sort of scouting system abroad is probably to our downfall. Um, British costs more money. It's got a bit of a tax to it in terms of if you do buy over here, yeah. especially quality. You know, there's something wrong. There is gems in League One, but you only have to look at what Peterborough trying to charge whoever gets even Tony. You know, that's just ridiculous money for a, for a third tier striker. They want double, you know, into double figures. That is ridiculous. You know, that, that is the world. That's the world we live in now. It's not worth it. It's not worth eleven million quid. It, you know, I'm not being funny. You can get probably if he's a ten out of ten in league one, you could probably get an eight out of ten for you're talking hundreds of thousands of pounds, not millions. That's just it's just ridiculous the fact that we're getting quoted that sort of money. We do need a striker, you know. I think it's pretty evident we do need a bit of a freshener up there. I think it's we failed to score out the last six. It's six out of the last nine games in the league we failed to score, you know, and. It's five goals in 13 and a half hours in the league, which is just yeah. not acceptable, I'm afraid, at this level. You know, we can't continue this run of form because it's not, it's the, the season will end with a whimper and then it affects everything, doesn't it, really? It affects the plays you've, you're going to keep because you're going to lose those lads, like we've mentioned before. It'll affect season ticket sales because people will be like, well, we've not showed any ambition, so why am I going to renew? You know, it's a massive. Yeah it doesn't just affect what we do on the pitch and the points and where we finish. It actually affects a lot of things that go on within the club. Mm. So I think, you know, and Ollie said previously, you know, this is a chance of a lifetime in terms of this league this season, because let's be honest, it's not fantastic. There's a lot of bang average teams in this league this year. 
us probably being, being a, a better than average team, but there's a lot of teams that are very similar to us. And it, it, well, it, I mean, you only need to look how tight the table is from third uh, down to, well, 10. To go on that run of results we've had and still been out close to the playoffs shows you how you know, anyone beats anyone, can't they? <laughs> And it oh, shows yeah. you how good our form was. West Brom you know, are heads and shoulders, aren't they, above everybody else? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they'll walk the top, you know, that top two's gone now. You know, let's yeah, be honest. Absolutely. There's no one getting anywhere near them. But I think, you know, it's we have a chance this January to be able to make a bit of a statement, you know, in terms of getting a bit of quality in. Quality does cost money. But, you know, is there any loans out there from the Premier League of guys that get, are going to get left out of the 25 come the end of January? Probably. Um, obviously, the Prem seems a little bit quiet still. We're we're getting towards what what we're on now, the sixth of January. No yeah. real move in, in, in the Prem. You know, we're a week into the transfer window, and no one's really making a move, which is it's always a funny window, isn't it? Uh, January. Yeah, people are going to be cautious, but I think it's we've got to if we you know if we want to be there thereabouts at the end of the season, <laughs> we've got to get some quality in in the next twelve. Well. 12 to 14 days. We don't want to leave it to the last day. If it's going to be the last day, it's probably going to be loans rather than permanents. Yeah. Unless we get offered someone amazing at a great price, then why wouldn't you take someone at that point? But, you know, if we don't invest and we don't get this momentum of form back, then, you know, it might be another 14th place finished. And, you know, lo and behold, come summer, you do lose that little bit of talent and you start again and we don't want to be in that position where we were 11 years ago where no. you know we, we're in that summer of, of 2010 lost a bit of, of talent and lo and behold we end up the R word gets mentioned but you know I'm not I'm not being too pessimistic at that you know that might sound really negative for me but I'm just being a little bit realistic that we've got to do something now to counteract this turning form you know, get a couple of fresh faces back in the team, keep his situation he's sorting out as well, because yeah, our current first choice is out of contract in six months' time. Can talk to clubs in Scotland and abroad if anyone wants to take a punt on him um, at this moment in time already. So we, that needs sorting. You know, our second, third and fourth choice keepers are clearly not up to number one standard. So, you know, what do we do? Obviously, Muric has gone back to Forest, today, uh, gone back to City today, I see. Yeah. Here anyway. Oh, they kicked a ball well there, has he? Hasn't played well, he, first two games of the season, was it? Yeah, and then dropped. Yeah, yeah a shocker, didn't he, in that first yeah, couple of games, didn't he? Yeah, it got lobbed. Yeah, the home game. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think we'd, we'd want him now. For, <laughs> but, and the day the goalkeeping department, whilst Rudd, let's give him a little bit of credit. I think he's done well his, recently. Yeah. I'd, I'd stick with Rudd. I'd stick with Rudd. I'd be, even if. Even if it's got a contract, it's got to run out at the end of the season. Well, deal with that in the summer at the moment. To be fair, I think yeah. it's more it's more what's underneath him at the moment. Which yeah, uh, if, if it was to get injured or suspended, mm-hmm. we've got problems. Yeah, I'd be really concerned if that happened. And I think you know that that needs resolving. You know, and whether that gets resolved now or in the summer, it. it, it I think it's something that if if you get the opportunity to resolve it now, then I don't think you pass it up. Yeah, we've got five keepers, haven't we? Is Maxwell gone to the end of the season, Dave? Or yeah, 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 he's, but he's out of contract, he, isn't he? Yeah, he's gone, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah, then, it's, it's interesting with Matt Hudson, because obviously he's been on the bench when mm-hmm. Ben Davis hasn't been playing. 
They've mm. obviously got no intention of playing him. Mm. So it's like, is it like Crow was involved? Crow's been on the. I don't know. He's, he's, he's always to keep very bizarre what's gone on with the goalkeeping situation. It's like with Ripley, we paid quite a bit of money for Ripley, didn't we? So it, it's just. Yeah, it, it, it's just a bit odd what. There's not. Hopefully, so I'm not Rudd's biggest fan, but he's head and shoulders above. Above the, the other lads and etc. He said, oh, again, it's priorities, isn't it? We need a striker, we need a winger, maybe looking at the full-backs. If a keeper comes up, who's right? Obviously, I don't think I've been turned the nose about it, but we've got to be realistic. They're not going to chuck it. I'd, I'd, if we have got a bit of money, which I don't doubt that there's a lot, I'd chuck it at a striker, that without a doubt. Just even If that's all there is, I know we want other areas, but it'd have to be a striker, just to just try and get... Get us over, get us put going, scoring goals again. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the other thing I'd say about Deck is that this has been his best season for us. You know, I know he's been had what four or five seasons with us, including the year he had on loan. I think this season and since Gould's come in, I think he has improved massively. I think he's he's kept us in games. He's making good saves. He's commanding his area better. His kicking has improved for me. I don't think his yeah. kicking is as bad as it was. Um, yeah. And that's not to say that's not to say it's terrible, but its distance, its accuracy is better from a goalkeeping perspective. Um, and I think you know when you are going a little bit more direct to a Stockley type of player, then yeah, his kicking is probably going to be a lot more direct and long rather than the short passes to, to Bauer and Davis, which is how we're tending to start with goal kicks at the minute. We're not yeah. tending to go long every time, so I, I can't criticise him too much I just want him to sign this contract but obviously if he doesn't want to sign it then it's one of those things really I don't think he's been offered one Jimmy I think they've been talked but I, I, I honestly don't think there's been an actual piece of paper put in front of him yet you know I think I think he's been a sort of he's changed agent during the season um, and as every new agent will do with a player they will go looking, you know, I can get you this, I can get you that. So I think there's a little bit of that involved at the moment um, with Deck. But I, I'd, um, and I agree with you. I think it's been his, his best season so far. Um, yeah, there's been one or two, you know, mistakes in there. But um, for me, other areas are, you know, more, you know, more important. And it, it, you know, if they were to strengthen the goalkeeping department, it'd be underneath them at the moment. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, we're probably in the same situation as we were in the summer in terms of what we mm. need to buy mm. or getting on loan. You know, we need a full-back, probably one that is versatile, ideally. Um, and that's no detriment to Rafferty, Hughes, Fisher. We probably just need an improvement there. <coughs> Those three. I think Hughes is... I quite like Hughes, to be honest with you, on the left. He's great in the air. I mean, he's won yeah. more aerial battles than any other player in our team this season on average per game. Um you know, I think we underestimate how good he is in the air. Yeah, obviously he's not a Cunningham, but let's be honest, nobody's going to be at that level um, that we could have could have got at that time. Um, yeah, we need we need a versatile sort of nine, eleven, seven, as you probably you could call it in terms of the modern day, in terms of somebody who can play up front and out wide because that tends to be what Neil likes. Well, it's. I'd be concentrating on an out-and-out striker myself. I think we've got a lot of players who can play in different, you know, play on the wing, players at 10, whatever, you know, I just think they need a, a sort of a younger Nuge even, you know, like uh, getting that, you know, between the, the penalty 
penalty spot in the six yard box, really, you know, sniff around there. And, uh, um, you know, as I say, we've got, you know, we've got Billy Bowden, we've got Barcase and Maguire can play sort of variety across that line. You know, you've got Alan Brown in that 10, you've got DJ can play there. You know, like, you know, just you know, another Malt as well. You know, as I say, go back to missing Malt. Um, you know, an out and out centre forward who, sort of, who, who will stay in the box, who will, you know, sort of link play up as well. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's for me where what 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 they need to be going for, and I think they will do. Yeah, yeah, I think just on a positive though, we are still only four points off Brentford in third. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Um, as we've briefly spoke about, well, not briefly spoke about, we just spoke about it for the last twenty minutes. Um, we are in January, so it's an opportunity to to freshen things up a little bit. And according to InfoGoal or InfoGoal, whatever, you, however you want to say it, on Twitter, um, I don't know if is it their data or predictions. Um, we've got the easiest run in the next six games in the league <laughs> with Rovers, Charlton, Barnsley, Swansea, Wigan, and Stoke. <laughs> Um, I think it's important to say that at this point in the season, even though I've seen it on Facebook and Twitter, I don't think there are any must-win games at this point in the season. It's far too early. Um, obviously, it'd be nice to win at Rovers, but if it doesn't happen, I think it's not the end of the world. Neil, mm. mostly... Oh, is, oh, no, it is. No, no, no. I'll argue against you there, Jake. Yeah. I'd, I'd go. We're gonna wait. We're gonna get something at Rovers, you know. Yeah. Not not just for league form, but for <clears> what it means, you know. After all this, you know, um, you know, Blackburn's behaviour over the tickets or whatever, you know. Yeah, we, we, we just we just know it, don't we? Yeah. You know. Jay, you're a South Ribbler, right? We hate these. Right? <laughs> Come on, mate. Hey, mate, right. don't get me wrong. This is the one game. I always got going on. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm a Rovers fan or anything like that. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not. Um, but yeah, it, it isn't. Right. In terms of season, from a fan point of view, it, it is a must-win. But in terms of the season, it, it's not a must-win game. I, 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 I don't think it's a must-win game. Like, I know what you're coming for, but I think in terms of kicking us on now for the rest of the season. And I mentioned before, I like, say someone coming on and scoring for the fact the fact that there's going to be a big following again, and yeah, like I said, things. And I think in terms of the boost it would give us yeah, going yeah. into these next few games, where there's another defeat or a poor performance, and then it's another one, isn't it? And it, it, I know you're coming. It's not a must-win game, but it's certainly in terms of pushing us back on and getting us back in the playoffs and giving us something to kick on because. Obviously, with the window being open and now the Barnsley game's off, it could easily be drifting. It's important we do get something out of Saturday for me, definitely. It's a must-not-lose, rather, you know, for me, because it gets you back, it gets you a point, it stops that little bit of a a rot. You know, if we can win, then obviously it's our first one in six, so we, we do probably need to get three points you know not just for bragging rights but just to get us back on the on the horse more than anything because if you win you, you know you win Saturday you could actually be back in the playoffs absolutely that's how stupid yeah. this how, that's how stupid this league is this season <laughs> you know Bristol City are behind us a point behind us and what if they lost five out of the last seven as well so they, mm. they're on a right bad run of form you know and it's just so tight as a league that 
I, I think it's a must not lose. They're only three points behind us, and they're not having a great season either. Let's be honest with you. You know, they, they've lost ten games. You know, yeah, they've had a, since Dak got injured. Their their fans have been saying similar to us: no creativity. They're not scoring, are they? So. It's oh, well. we can go into that conf- even though as bad as things have been, we can go into that game confident, I think. Brad Potts last minute winner in front of the Darwin and there. Go oh. on. Oh, shut a few up, won't it? <laughs> Set up by Maguire. <laughs> both of them giving ears. That'd be brilliant, yeah. wouldn't it? Um so yeah, what do you think there's anything obviously the form hasn't been great? Certain players haven't been playing well, but do you th- do you think that cert- some fans have an inability to look at the table and realise that actually we're not in a bad position? Um, or I just I, I I can't understand why. Uh, don't get me wrong, I can't say I'm bouncing off the walls and I'm absolutely buzzing about our recent form, but it it's not all as doom and gloom as a lot of people are making out. I think, no. I think, it, it, yeah, sorry, it's all, um, it's how different people support football in different ways, only, you know, I'm, you know, a bit longer in the two for you boys, I think, you know, but I've seen the ups and downs over the years and, you know, since, since the 70s and I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly and whatever, and so I'm pretty level-headed about it, you know, there's people who have not seen North End in a bad, really hit a bad vein of form, you know, and they're, they're going to support it in a different way at times, you know, and, you know, new generation with social media and all that. A lot of it's very black and white now. There's no grey anymore, is there? We're either, we're, we're going to win, we're, you know, we won at Charlton, went top of the league, we're going to win the Champions League in three years, to now we're getting relegated. You know, that's just the way, I think, just the way some people look at it. You know, I don't we can all support it in different ways. I don't think people should be criticised. I just think um, maybe a little bit more patience needed, as, as Jake's alluded to, we're just outside those playoff places. We're not, we're not slapped down in mid-table where we were this time last year, lower mid-table. We're four, um, four points off third. Yeah, exactly. You know, it could check two results. He could beat Rovers. He could beat Charlton. Yeah, I think, you know, you know as well. If, go on, Bob. I was just going to say, I think if we look at this season as a whole, ignoring like the form in the last few, like last 10 games, I think in reality, when we compare it to our like our position now to our expectations at the beginning of the season, I think we really have just regressed to like the mean in the sense that if we look at expectations, we'd have been happy with this position at the beginning, you know, in summer when we looked at it. And I think it's just a case of it has been a bad run of form, but when we look at it as a whole, we are in we are in such a fantastic position in a weaker division than it's normally been. Um, when you look at, like you just said, Jake, with only four points to third, like the opportunity is a fantastic opportunity and it's still, we're only just over the halfway point. So I think people have a tendency to jerk the knee and, you know, get a bit over, you know, I think, I mean, it's understandable. It it has been bad of late, but, you know, it could easily turn around. You look at the, uh, you look at the top of the table though, like, West Brom are top. We're, uh, West Brom top at the moment. Well, Leeds are top. Leeds top. We've taken two draws off them. We got beat by West Brom by a dodgy last minute penalty. We've beaten Brentford, beaten Sheffield Wednesday, we've beaten Fulham, uh, draw at Nottingham Forest, lost against Swansea, 
beaten Blackburn, drawn with Bristol City. It's not a bad record against that top group. Sometimes it's been your boy around, hasn't it? We tend to well around, yeah. Yeah, well around, you know, better against the lower teams and struggled a bit against the teams above us. But um, which maybe maybe shows what's above us is maybe not as good as it has been in recent years. But um, yeah, I don't, it's easy to look at the negatives of the recent results. But I really do think as well, let's look at that early chunk of the season as well and how we ha- how we did recover mid-December. You know, the two home wins and the two... We should have beaten Cardiff easily. Um, yeah. we, we got a draw at Leeds. You know, we were so good in the first half at Leeds. A lot second half, obviously, they really came on to us, you know. And it was a, um, you know, a bit of a battle. It's just, you know, with them equalising so late on. If they'd equalised after 70 minutes or something, it probably wouldn't have been as hard to take. But as it was, it was a last-minute, last you know, last-minute goal. So, yeah, I think if you were to put the form in, you know, if it had been a bit more consistent. We tend to go in peaks and troughs, don't we? A nice good run and we chuck four defeats in whatever. You know, if it was like three wins, a couple of defeats, but back on the horse and whatever. You'd be looking at this position at the moment. Yeah, that's not too bad at the moment. Sometimes you can be down in 10th place and you can be seven or eight points adrift, but we're not. We're right, right in there because of the nature of the division. So, um, let's, let's seize on that at the moment and hopefully, as I say, if we can go to Rovers and get something, and then we've got shot on the week after, which you're thinking you should be winning, coupled with a signing or two, it could end up being all rolls in the garden. Then again, <laughs> you never know. But, um, you know, they're doing okay at the moment. Neil's generally yeah. been able to sort of halt the bad runs as well over the last yeah. couple of seasons. Whenever we've gone on these little bad runs of form, bad runs of injuries, few defeats, he's always managed to set it right eventually and then they tend to go on a really good run again so mm-hmm. it's part of yeah. life that I'm not really losing my head about a couple of defeats no, no. well last last season this time last season we just lost to Rotherham on New Year's Day oh. um, I can't remember who we played in the cup but I think we got Don Gaston oh yeah of course yeah, yeah. the Michael Crow show yeah and then did we go on a run of 12 unbeaten after mm-hmm. that? Yeah. You know, and that's just a recent example. I'm sure there's others dotted through the season um, that don't immediately come to mind. But like you said, Ollie, you know, he has always been able to turn the ship around, if you will. Um, so yeah. hopefully, like you said, Dave, you know, a couple of signings coupled with a couple of good results or, you know, maybe a couple of draws, but some good performances. Um, and you could maybe start to see a bit of positivity creeping in who knows yeah i think for i think for me you know i'm looking ahead to these next nine fixtures before the end of february and there's a lot of games where you can pick up points um yes we probably just do need a bit of a lift at home you know and i I think it's it's probably good if we do get a result on saturday you know we've got a home game straight on the back of it in terms Mm -hmm. of charlton which again a bit of a streaky side that's probably the best way I can describe them this season you know they get they're picking up points some games and then getting absolutely you know nowhere near teams you know not even laying a punch on them the week after so um you you know it's momentum you know you win Saturday and you go into that charting game with a completely different mindset than if you get beat because if you get beat on Saturday then and you know such what we don't like but you know that'd be another you know another game in the run and we just need that little bit of a, a kick start to get us back up on the, get the bike because february is a tough month 
you know, and mm-hmm. especially at the end of February when you play West Brom and Fulham both away within the space of five, well, six days, that's, you know, that's not exactly a an ideal end to a month. Um, and Hull, you know, the week before at home. That, we got you know, Wigan, where, Wigan away as well, haven't we? Yeah, Wigan away, Stoke away. Um, you know, Stoke, Stoke there on a Wednesday night. You know, the, there's the old saying about no, no one wants to do it on a, a wet Tuesday night in Stoke. But it's going, probably going to be a wet Wednesday night there. You know, it's like that. You know, that sort of separates if you actually want it or not. And you know, I, I get that's probably under the Pulis era where where those sort of <coughs> sayings, but it's going to be cold. It's going to be the middle of February, and it's you know, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. But those games where you've got to get points out of. Um, same with Wigan, you know, game on Sky. It, you you want to be getting points out of that game because you know it's it's a derby game. It's on the TV. You you want to be going home happy, don't you? And, and keeping that momentum going. And I I say that a lot, but you, that's what's going to get teams out of this league, and whether that be us or another one at the end of the season through the playoffs. Then you, you see it every season. A team with momentum wins the playoffs. Yeah, and that's the only way we're going. came from absolutely nowhere, didn't they? The other yeah. year when they went up. Villa last season. Norwich as well, were it? Barnsley last season when they came up to League One. Yeah. You know, complete momentum. I mean, they were in the bottom four in November, December and just went on a massive run under Stendhal. And, you know, they kept, they kept that. They probably, their clear out in the summer probably killed them off at Barnsley. Yeah. And that's probably why they did start the season so poorly. But you know, it's just that little, that bit of momentum that will get you places in this league. And and is that, that looking at? Is that looking at Millwall, isn't it? Millwall changed yeah. the manager, absolutely come from nowhere. We're above us, isn't it? Whatever, he's sick, Vardy Millwall. Yeah. Win three in a row in this division this season, and you, you, you've got a really good chance and just pick up some Dracy momentum. Saturday's big game for me. Well, really. we're we're a prime example of that. We you know when we went top against. Uh, after winning at Charlton, mm. good run of form. Yeah, that's all it was. Um, yeah. And then the downward momentum from there when we've, <laughs> you know, we've, we've failed to score in six out of the nine games since Charlton. It's yeah, like, that's it. You know, and that's all pretty much in my mind. From the, we've only lost one player. You know, nothing else has really changed. You know, we've, you know, Pat's been missing for a couple. You know, with this illness, stroke, injury previously. But I don't think Hunter's done that badly, you know, since he's been back in the team either. But, no. yeah, you know, it's just that, that winning mentality and momentum that just keeps that with those, that, that will get teams promoted out of this league. And I can't stress it enough that, you know, if we get on another one now, then, yeah, we, we, we might be able to cement a top six spot. But it's so competitive, this league, as we've already seen. And, and, and it's, they say that anyone can beat anyone in the championship. And I think the season sort of proves that. Mm. I think our main our main downfall so far, well, in the last ten games in particular, has been it has really it's just been these defensive. It's like the lack of stability at the back in terms of defensive injuries and suspensions. Like at Hull, uh, with Ledson at fullback, Story making his first start of the season. Then against West Brom, Huntington only coming back. He came back into the side for the first time since January 2019. We've had Alan Brown at right back. Uh, Hughes has struggled with injury. Rafferty got sent off against Fulham. We've just ne- we've just really struggled to have like a, a stable back line, and I think whether that's caused the, the players ahead to lose a bit of confidence. And I think if if in this new year now, if we can just get that stability back 
you know, Barrow and Davis in the heart of defence, Fisher and Hughes, if they can if if they can just stay fit, I think that'll be a give us a big boost as well. Definitely, I think that with the with, I can't can't look at you know I've just got one of the programs in front of me here. Looking at when we managed to put the same back four together two or three games running, you know it's been quite a while. I think yeah. Fisher needs Fisher needs to look at those yellow cards. He really does. To be put to be put ten times in sixteen or seventeen appearances is absolutely ridiculous. You know, it's, um, he, you know, he, he's missed games as well recently with injury as well. He came back, yeah. came back after his injury and got booked. You know, so people go on about Ben Pearson's disciplinary record, but he's a, he's an angel this season compared to. Dan I wouldn't now. mind, but fi- mm-hmm. the majority of fishers as well, they feel like they're just cheap. completely needless. Yeah, the cheap, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, one on Saturday. Uh, Rovers last season. Obviously, we won one nil, but two yellows, and the second one, he was just completely needless. Yeah, he, he just like threw himself on the floor for for almost no apparent reason with minutes to go. Yeah, I think as well on the other side, if he can keep Hughes fit as well, you know, I think last season he was so consistent. This season, he's had a, he's had a hamstring, a broken foot, and a, a hip problem. You know, so. Um, you know, fitness could, you know, just to get him on the pitch regularly. I know Rafferty's done well at left-back this season, but, you know, to have Hughes there, he likes to push forward. He can join in in the middle as well because he's, what, six foot two, six foot three. So, yeah. um And a run of games, there's a player. Yeah. 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 It's just consistency, consistency getting yourself out there, you know, can make such a difference. When when the team's near, when, when eight to nine of the team is picking itself, that's when it's okay, isn't it? You know, then yeah. you can just, you can just, you know, make your own tweak of your attack depending on who you're going to be playing, who you think might suit that game, or if someone's looking a bit tired. But you know, if just the if if most of the side is you know like picking itself, happy days, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Finally, then, I don't know if you'd call this transfer policy, but Ollie, I don't know if you if you're ready for this. Um, <laughs> you tweeted. The other night or last night, I can't remember when it was, and it, it, I just thought what you were saying was just good stuff, to be honest. Um, obviously, I think there'll be people listening to this that aren't on Twitter or maybe won't have seen it. So if you just want to sort of talk through it and we can maybe have a, a little discussion about it. Yeah, I just sort of brought up because it feels like every time we get linked with, a, well, anybody actually, the fans always say that, well, obviously we'll be dipping into League One or League Two, like it's necessarily a bad thing. We we have signed a lot of good players from League One and League Two over the years, but it does feel like the approach shifted a little bit with signings like um, Hughes, Stockley, um, Rafferty, sort of the, the mid-20s. These yeah. players that are sort of 25 already sort of settled in League 1 or League 2 in Stockley's case. And then asking them to make that jump up when in the past maybe we have gone for younger. Obviously we've got, we got in Stockley and Bayless, but it just it just felt a bit like we're, we're running out of the sort of resaleable assets. Because once we get to the end of the season and Pearson, Davis and Brown are inside the final year, likely to go. After that, you start to wonder where the next sort of saleable assets are coming from. And if that was being sacrificed for sort of championship-ready 
25 plus players that you could understand maybe the switch of approach but just with some of the signings from league one it feels like the court in the middle a little bit of players that don't have big development to come and also aren't championship ready if that makes sense yeah yeah it's hard to it's hard to be able to gamble now on a league one league two player for the position we're in but that's what we've got to do yeah um, i also understand the case like we were talking about ivan tony before some of the price tags even in league one are getting beyond us now which is frustrating and also signing experienced championship players is not exactly the cheapest venture of all time but yeah just just the last couple of years because it feels like we've even got away from signing sort of the players in premier league reserve teams because we had that run where we sort of got johnson robinson pearson Harrop. grimshaw oh no he didn't work out but oh wow <laughs> Forget Accrington. it. I'll never get over that run he did at Accrington when he just ran through <laughs> run, run it off the pitch. I think he, he was he was probably the the free part of the buy one get one free <laughs> yeah. wasn't he? I think it's an interesting point though, looking at them sort of players now though, is like the equivalents now, before they go out on loan, they're putting them on thirty grand a week contracts. Mm-hmm. Is that we talked yeah. about Murich before before they loaned him out to Nottingham Forest, they stuck him on a massive, massive new contract. And all these lads at Liverpool, they're all on Man City, they're all on big money. Um, the, the ones that aren't, are like, say, like your Andre Greens and players like that. And I think, like, the ones to look back on, we signed David Heap. When we signed Healy, he was Man United's top reserve goal scorer. I think he was already on his way to being Northern Ireland's highest ever goal scorer. That sort of player now. It's just dreamland, isn't it? It costs millions and the wages that these under-23 players are on. And we're the sort of players we need, we need really, to get in on loan. And it's just, it's just, it's just daft money, isn't it? I think I heard that is on about 35 grand a week at Arsenal and Leeds were paying all of it. Jeez. It's just obscene, really. Like Nemecha last season, isn't it? I mean, you know, I think we had to play Nemecha as part of the deal potentially that we had with City because I think he was one of our top appearance makers last season. Um, but you know, that he's 19, you're not going to get a finished article at 19. You know, there is going to be a bit of rawness about any player that comes in on loan, especially if they're coming out of Premier League 2 or an under 23 team. Um, and yeah, it's always going to be a gamble when you get someone like that in. And to be fair, you know, if, if we'd been offered the Metro back this window, I'd have probably, I'd have had him back personally. Yeah, I would have. Had him back. Yeah. Good option, you know, probably a, a Robinson type of replacement in terms of for what we've not, not got yet. Yeah, we need number nine, you know, as we've mentioned before, but. I think it's it's finding the quality that's out there that, that have that desire and hunger to want to play at our level because some of these Premier League 2 and under-23 players don't have that desire. They don't have that passion to want to actually yeah. test themselves in the championship. Well, they feel so, like they've already made it at their level. Mm, like you yeah. said, you know, they're getting handed 15, 20, 25, 30, 35 grand a week contracts for playing Premier League 2 or under-23 games. Absolutely. So, you, you know, they've, that fits in with the, the Neil way in terms of they've got to have the right attitude and right personality to mm. be here. So, you, you know, there's a lot of factors go to, that go into making a sign and I don't, for one second, think we rush into any of these signings. I think, you know, they are very well thought out, especially with Ridsdale and Hemmings being quite tight with the purse strings at times. 
you know, they've got to be the right side. I suppose time will tell in terms of obviously what we get in this window, whether, we, you know, what we get in, in terms yeah. of, of ability and, you know, if that improves our 11. I think that's really key for me that we do try and improve the 11. We don't just bring in someone that's going to compete because that seems to be what we've brought in so far under Neil. It's just players to compete with the exception of Bauer. Yeah. So in terms of, Preston North End as a football club moving forward then, how do you see us let, let's hypothetically say that we fail to go up this season, we lose I don't know, let's say we lose two of the three of Brown, Davis, Pearson next year or in the summer we've shown obviously that we're not going to commit the amount of money that is required at the championship in sorry, at, at championship level to improve your starting 11 how, how do you see north end sort of progressing as a club in order to keep up with the the, the top end of the championship you know do, do you think maybe someone like craig hemmings coming in is going to have an impact on our spending or like uh, my biggest concern yeah. with that is, is none of the players is losing the manager mm-hmm. because, because if we don't go up the season and a manager and another club comes knocking in the summer that has a bigger budget, has a big, you know, has a bigger stature in terms of the footballing community, or has, you know, has a training ground that's up to scratch, for example, or you know, has mm-hmm. the facilities to be able to to develop a team further. Would Alex Neil go to that club? I, I would yeah. probably say that at this moment in time, yes, he would. After three seasons here, yeah. um, and not being able to push us on to the level that he wants, because then the day he's improved his stature, you know, after getting that relegation under his belt with Norwich and obviously getting the sack from those guys, then, you know, I think he's improved as a manager and uh, he probably does potentially deserve the opportunity to, to manage a, a bigger club than us. I know that sounds quite defeatist, but it's it's not going to come across in that way. It's the fact that, you know, we are a fairly small fish in the championship pond, unfortunately, with our budgets and that if a club came in with a bigger budget and could offer him more to, and a, a, an opportunity to get a club back to the Premier League, then why wouldn't you test yourself and go and try and get it, get another club up? Because mm. if he's not going to get backed here financially or, you know, in terms of the training ground, uh, you know, John Neal probably know more about what's happened with the training ground than anyone um, <laughs> or what's not happening well, with it. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think, um, I don't think we've got long enough to start going down that one again. Yeah. No, you know that's I mean? an episode I'm, in itself, I think. Long, oh, I'm saying nothing. Yeah, so that's my concern is that, yeah, you're probably going to lose two, but you could also lose the manager and then you're back to square one. And I keep, I referred back to 2010 before, that's the place you go back to pretty much. So it's it's a big, this is why this next five months is really key because we don't want to be in this position in summer. And, you know, I don't want to be playing this podcast back, you know, after summer and thinking, shit, what, what might have been. Mm. I think, it, yeah. To get to the playoffs was vital, even even if they didn't get up in it. You know, I think just just being there would have been a will be a statement. Um, I don't think you know we've been a bit doom and gloom here by writing it off, aren't we? But um, I, I agree with Jimmy there about uh, about Alex Neil. We've we've dodged the bullet twice now. I've had two approaches for him. Do you get lucky a third time? You know, if someone else comes in, that's that that would be a worry. Neil's taken some criticism recently uh, because of the results, which comes with a job. But I still think he's one of the, you know, he's one of the younger managers, isn't he? And I think he's one of the brighter ones around. 
tactically and uh, you know a personable guy as well you know around the place so um deals with you know deals with the media well you know yeah. he's, he's pretty well respected um people like that are hard to replace I think they've done we had we had a real in, in unstable run didn't we we were sacking managers every december mm-hmm. what three years running and then wesley as well i think the manager i think we've shown by having a state state stability in the manager's office Grayson four years four months in charge then neil now he's in his third year i think you know you, you reap the benefits you you know you push up but um you know, it, it you know, would I would ask questions certainly if we didn't go up this summer, or you know maybe this summer or beyond into next season. You know what would happen then? I don't know. But um, if do, do you carry on with the same buying model? Do you try and you know push it on a little bit? Or I think that's know? my other concern though. Is 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 there a desire within the club, maybe from the top down, to look at changing the buying model? Who knows? Um, I think. You do want to go up, it's just that can you be go up in terms of spending or go yeah, up? As well, in yeah, but can you be persuaded to go up by on a different you know by spending more money or did he think it can be done on the on, on the you know the, the way they're doing it at the moment? It's uh, it, you know, it's persuading people, isn't it? You know, to change mindsets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm in no doubt that the people at the club want to do it mm. ultimately it's down to it's down to the owner isn't it so there's only so much they can do in it the end of, <coughs> sometimes he gets a bit of stick over this peter Ridsdale, but at the end of the day trevor evans is his boss so he's not gonna there's only so much badgering and so much harassing him for more money mm. he can do and they mm. are a team neil and um Ridsdale, definitely mm. and Working with what they've got, and ultimately it's down to the owner. If, if one day he has an epiphany, he does put. I could be here all night again talking about the pros and cons of Trevor Hemmings. But at the end of the day, if they go to him and say, "Look, we've found someone. He's going to cost three million. It's up to Trevor." And mm. as much pressure and as much as Neil, Neil and Peter Risdale want them, it comes down to him at the end of the day. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if it was. You, Ollie, that was tweeting on Deep Dad Digest this weekend about what Neil was saying on Football Focus and Mark Lawrenson's little <laughs> smirks towards him when he's mentioning about. I think was he did he mention about the owner? Like I said, I've been away, so I've not seen it. So after after Neil said that he sort of wanted a few new faces, Lawrenson was sort of saying, "I see you've been sort of onto the owner about getting." Oh no, the the host maybe was saying about getting onto the owner about more money, and Lawrenson was just sort of like. Good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be fair, to, to be fair to Laurel, I think Laurel's stepdad was on the board of uh, Trevor in the 1970s. You know, so I think yeah. he knows he, he knows him a he knows him a lot, doesn't he? You know? yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's certainly going to be an interesting remainder of January, and then see how things pan out for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, I think unless any of you boys have got anything else to add. To coin my phrase that Ollie and Dan regularly take the piss out of me about, I think we'll call that a pod. Yes. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Right. Nice one, boys. Thanks very much for listening to episode 27 of the From the Finney podcast. And thank you to all of you lot, my guests. It's been a pleasure. Um, Yeah, as always, you can find us on social media. And you can stream the pod on the majority of podcast platforms. But if you've been listening this long, I presume you've got your 
your favoured platform by now. Um, if you want to get in touch with us about anything, sponsorship or anything like that, uh, writing for the website, coming on the pod, um, you can DM us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram uh, or email us on fromthefinney at gmail.com. And last but not least, thank you very much to you guys for giving up your time. It's much appreciated. Thanks, mate. That's full of volunteer. It is a three-point Saturday. Yeah. Cheers, boys. <laughs> <laughs>